Hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of the New Charlestonian Podcast. The New Charlestonian Podcast is uh, my little pet project. Basically, I've met all these really interesting and uh, fascinating people and um, I feel like Charleston has historically been an old money kind of city and I feel like uh, a lot of that is trending younger nowadays. You have a lot of young entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, a lot of cool stuff opening up and this is basically my attempt to to, to catalog that stuff through interviews with the people who are, are kind of driving all that. Uh, on this episode I sat down with JP Hudson, uh, the owner of Sneaker on King Street. A uh, super awesome store, uh, super awesome dude, and uh, what a better way to kind of start things off. Uh, I've been around for about a year now, uh, the store, and every time I walk by, I'm always, I always want to go inside because it's like stepping into Narnia. Uh, I think anyone who walks around King Street, there's this kind of mystique as to uh, what's going on in between buildings or uh, you see these these walkways that lead up to you know god knows where and so you just sort of wonder you know what's going on back there and, uh, jp was nice enough to sit down with me and we talked about uh his his past uh, how he got to uh, where he is with sneakers his passion for sneakers and what brought him to Charleston in the first place and what had brought him back to Charleston. Uh, so enjoy. I used to have the trade deuce and the deuce deuce in my bubble goose. Now I got the Mac in my knapsack, lounging black, smoking sacks up and axe and sidekicks with my sidekicks, rocking fly kicks. Honey's want to chat, but all we want to know is where the party at. So, well, first off, like, just sneaker stuff. How did that come about? Like, the, the interest in in shoes yeah where'd that come from so the interest in shoes just came from an early age yeah um my mom she'd like take me to the sneaker shop probably Mm. like once a month because i would run through shoes pretty quick yeah um so she'd just take me and i'd pick out just like tear them up and stuff yeah yeah. wear them in the mud Mm. um so she'd take me and get a pair of shoes and i just slowly just started falling in love with shoes for yeah. some reason it was just it was weird hard to explain yeah that's where i i look back and that's like where the first passion came from mm-hmm. it's just that that small going to the store every month and you know picking out a pair of you know nike or reeboks yeah no where'd you did you grow up around here uh, I grew up in Tennessee, mm-hmm. so uh, where I grew up is Johnson City, yeah. so it kind of sucked because there wasn't any really boutiques, mm-hmm. so you had to go to like um, <clears throat> Foot Locker um, or Champs, yeah. which owned by the same, so basically we just had, that was it, yeah. um, and then there was a place called Buster Browns, which all those stores ended up going out of business, mm-hmm. but in that small town, that's like all we had. Yeah. So it kind of sucked. Did did so what? Like, was there ever a a moment where it kind of like clicked? Where it's like, wait a minute, you know, there are different. It's like the sh- you're the shoes that you know, like that whatever, like finish line or you know they all carry and everything. But was there a moment where there's like people are doing other stuff with shoes that they do not carry here? You know, it's like, well, like what kind of open your eyes to like the whole boutique stuff? 
Yeah, that was I was probably um, probably when I got into college, because mm-hmm. um, all the way up until high school, I mean, I just kind of dealt with you know the area I was in. But when I got into college and started traveling mm-hmm. and seeing you know boutiques and you know other cities or other countries, I started to realize you know what else was out there. Yeah. Um. So I'd probably say college it hit to where I saw that. Um, if I opened the store, I wanted it to be drastically different mm-hmm. than, um, you know, say a Foot Locker or a Finish yeah. Line. I wanted to make it more, um, like, limited, exclusive, mm-hmm. and kind of make it um, incorporate art, music, that kind of stuff. Uh, and really make a point to uh, leave in, like, the customer's mind that, wow, this, this store is cool. Because that's yeah. what all the great boutiques are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, when you leave that store, you're going back home and you're telling people. Yeah. Um, like, I went to Reed Space uh, a couple weeks ago. And walking in there, I was like, whoa, this is a cool place. Because you immediately feel cool vibe. Uh, workers in there are cool. And mm-hmm. the product's amazing. No, well, what's is it Reed, like yeah. R-E-E-D? So, yeah, Reed Space um, was opened by Jeff Staple, mm-hmm. who is the um, creative director uh, and founder of Staple, the clothing line, which mm-hmm. yeah. I have on right now. Um, and they're basically, their logo is um, the pigeon. And they basically have a motto of um, positive social contagion. So they mm-hmm. try to, you know, incorporate positivity into their clothes and, embrace art music you know basically everything that sends positive vibes so it went in there and i was like wow this is that's one of those places that leaves um you know an imprint in your mind um and you go back and you tell people to check it out and so that's you know going through college and working at you know for these companies like Foot Locker and finish line i kind of saw you know where these stores were missing mm-hmm. like what these stores were missing because um, you, you walk into these stores and there's no there's no personal connection yeah. you have with customers it's just they walk in you sell and they leave and you want them to leave as quick as possible yeah, yeah. so you can make your next sell and then there's no there's no art the music they play in there it's just they're playing it all the time so yeah, yeah I worked my the summer before <laughs> I went to college I worked at a Hibbit Sports and they had this like, uh, this like CD that it would just you know they put like CD on and just you know loop it. Yeah. And it was horrible. It was like just Duran Duran and like all kinds of just like horrible eighties stuff. It, it, after a while, it just this is the worst. Like, yeah. I, I still it's hard for me to to really get into like any. 80s like super poppy music <laughs> yeah. just because if listen to the what was it like hungry like the wolf or whatever just like every day every day it just drove me nuts and yeah that was because you always think too it's like someone some like corporate person decided that this is what we're gonna play yeah good luck yeah and uh, yeah. I feel like too they don't even they're not even thinking about the customer. Mm-hmm. They're just... I feel like they're just choosing and you know, yeah. putting in the store because they don't care. All they care about is making that sell. 
Yeah. Whereas, yeah, sales are important, but you also have to look at, you know, the customer mm-hmm. making the best possible experience yeah. for the customer. So, so they're, they're going to keep on coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's go back. So you grew up in Tennessee. Yeah. Did you spend pretty much your whole, like, child life in Tennessee? Yeah, I spent my whole childhood in Tennessee, mm-hmm. so that was about 18 years. Um, and then I came to Charleston mm-hmm. to go to the Citadel. Was, was that, was that your choice? Because it seems like, like the whole, so you have a really kind of distinct, like, eye for style and, like, a, a drive to, it's like, oh, this you know, kind of like the customization, everything. Right. The sale is not that at <laughs> right. all. Right. No, that's. I mean, basically, yeah, I, I did choose to go there. Um, mm-hmm. My dad and brother, they went there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did choose. Wasn't my type of school. No, not really. <laughs> but the education was amazing there, and mm-hmm. it's it's a good school. Yeah. Um, Lots of sweeping. Yeah, so I would, yeah, lots of sweeping. Every morning. Yes. Yeah, freshman year was an adventure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, but I had good experiences from there. I met good people, um, and it definitely helped me to where I am today. Um, mm-hmm. so the, going there, you know, teaches you hard work and kind of discipline, like staying to your studies. Yeah. Because you can't go out every night like you did. Uh, I mean, a couple nights I'd go mm-hmm. AWOL, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, it was, it's a good school. Yeah. Um, so that really stuck with you? Like all just the drilling in, like the getting up every morning and doing all the, all the crazy stuff? Yeah. That really? Yeah. Um, it helped me, like, because on the business side of mm-hmm. things, I'm very, like, type A. Yeah. Like, I need to get things done quick. Um, and, in an orderly fashion. Yeah. So, like, if I have stuff to do during the day, I just have a checklist and I check things off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it helped me, um, you know, get that drive. But away from work and everything like that, I'm still I'm laid back, chill. Yeah. I don't like schedules. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird how people's because yeah, people you know have like the whole type A type whatever personalities and stuff. But it's weird how they can be uh, like relegated to just one aspect of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if it's like like you're talking about like with business stuff, it's like got it, it's done, got to do it now and everything. But then once that's done, you're like, all right, just let's just chill. Yep. And because like you don't you don't come off as like uh, like a type A in your face kind of person. You're just kind of like, hey, what's going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So it's kind of like behind the scenes mm-hmm. I'm with operate with operating this business on a daily basis. I'm kind of type A with um, I always got to make sure the store is clean and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So just constantly doing something or um, you know staying on top of things. Yeah. Did you yeah, did you do business at the Citadel? Yeah, did I did. Um, I actually started out as sports management mm-hmm. and then. From sports management, I switched to physical education. Yeah. Because I wanted to do something when I first got into college. I, you know, I wanted to do something with sports. Yeah. But as sophomore year approached, I started thinking, I'm realizing that there's not much really. Yeah. There's not much growth um, in that industry. It's very selective mm-hmm. and very political. Not that this industry isn't, but I just didn't see myself making a career out of yeah. that. 
Um, so I switched to business, and I knew I, eventually I wanted to open up my own business. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was a better move. Yeah. Did, did you did you play sports growing up? Did you grow up with? Yeah, I played. Um, I played soccer. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much the only sport I played. Yeah. Did you um, follow any like professional or college stuff? Yeah, I I watch um, pro soccer. I mm-hmm. watch like EPL. Yeah. And Champions League stuff like that. Yeah. I don't really get into college really. Yeah. Well, if, especially with uh. Cause I know with like with soccer and stuff, like the jerseys, like that's a huge. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, well, I mean, across all sports, like you know, there's like the you know, look good, feel good, play good mantra and everything, but I feel like especially with uh, with soccer stuff, just because like their jerseys are, they're like you know they're sponsored, like the teams you know sponsored and stuff. Right. So they've got to like. Like when when they change, like I can't remember who it was talking about. Um, or oh, it's it some like team in Seattle. Apparently, Seattle's becoming this like yeah, Seattle Sounders. Yeah, yeah, and like I guess Xbox. Yeah, is their is like their their big thing. Yep. And so they've got that like bright green, you know, Xbox thing. It's funny how like that kind of stuff makes its way into what's kind of acceptable. You know. Oh yeah. Wear. Now, now people are getting into wearing soccer jerseys. Yeah. Like it's cool. You can pair it with like sneakers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely becoming like a lot of the rappers now are starting to wear soccer jerseys. Yeah. Which I was wearing soccer jerseys back in high school. <laughs> and people are like, "Man, you wear soccer jerseys all the time." It's mm-hmm. like I like them. Yeah. What was your What was your team growing up? Oh, uh, are they clubs in yeah, the clubs. US? Okay. Yeah. I liked. I didn't follow MLS, and mm-hmm. I still have trouble getting into MLS because the quality of play is not. Yeah. I like watching, you know, English Premier League or Spanish mm-hmm. La Liga because the the style of play is a lot faster. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Pre- better. Premier League's like the one that has like a. It's got like Chelsea and Man United. Yeah. I I watched that. Um, I kind of um just watch the games. I really don't have a favorite team in the EPL, mm-hmm. but. In La Liga, I like Real Madrid. Yeah, I, it's like I can, a team I've always watched. Yeah, I can never get my mind around like how how the different like clubs fit into the leagues and the organ. Because you know, like, like I'm a big football fan, and it's pretty much like NCAA, college, NFL, pro, and then like that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then. You go over to Europe, well, not even Europe, like South America too, and stuff, and like with Brazil and stuff. And it's like, how do all these things fit together? Because like, uh, my girlfriend and I went to France, and we were in Lyon, and apparently Lyon has like a pretty decent team. They're getting up there, but uh, like the host, the the guy was hosting us. Was trying to explain. They're like, oh, but they're in like this, like certain like French thing, and if they they like qualify for this, then they can go into like the top one and stuff. And it's like all these different levels that I have no idea. Yeah, like it's cool because like the way they set it up is like each league probably has four or five tiers, mm-hmm. and you finish in the top three, you get promoted. Yeah, to yeah. the next one, um, and then it's it's cool because English Premier League they actually do so the top two automatically get promoted but mm-hmm. three four five and six play an end of season playoff to determine who the last team is to get promoted 
Mm -hmm. But when you get promoted, you get endorsements, $40 million TV deals. So it's like a big deal. Yeah. So if you get um, demoted, uh, you lose all that money and all those endorsements. You have to get rid of the big players that are on your, um, Mm -hmm. you know, pay sheet. You just can't afford them. Yeah. Yeah. So it really changes like the dynamics of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have to move stadiums because the stadium they're in, you know, they might not be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. So they have to – the whole – what was I going to say? The whole dynamics of the team changes. Yeah. Yeah. So get that guy. Hi. What's up, Josh? All right. Cool. (laughs) Nice, Josh. Uh Nice friend. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but – yeah, I, I just, like, that whole, because I, I remember in. I'll call you later. All right. I remember in, like, elementary school, like, some of my friends were, like, real big into soccer, and they started wearing, like, the jerseys and stuff. And I, it, it was funny, because I was always, like, sort of confused, because I remember, I was like, is this, like, a ref's jersey? Because it had, like, the lines and stuff yeah. and everything. And it was, yeah, that's still, like, I, I'd like to. Kind of get into it. I'm just getting to the point where I can appreciate like what it is because I feel like with with football everything's so specialized. It's you know it's like you've got you know it's like exploiting people's natural gifts and abilities. Like you can't you know teach someone to be six foot four, right? You know, but I feel like with soccer it just comes down to just like pure ability in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, you got, like, a little bit, you know, some of the guys are, like, bigger or smaller for certain positions, but it seems like for the most part, it's just, like, if you can outskill the other guy. Oh, yeah, that's, ba- that's yeah. basically it. Um, and there's a lot more, um, people don't realize it, but there's a lot more, um, like, training mm-hmm. and skill work than a lot of other sports because, like, you have to move a ball with your feet, so yeah. it takes a lot of you know control. And if you have a bad touch, you're going to lose the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like behind the scenes work that players go through in soccer that people don't realize. They they look at the field and they're just like, oh, they're just kicking the ball around. But yeah. it's like not that's not the case at all. Like a lot of these pro players have gone through like 15 years of just drill work with the ball. Um, you know, four hours in the morning with you know, ball work and um, conditioning. Just there's a variety of stuff. Yeah. Like, but it's a it's a pretty um, it's a pretty difficult sport. <clears throat> but it's a, it's a lot easier than it, it's a lot easier to pick up soccer than mm-hmm. like basketball because hand feet coordination comes before, or not hand feet, but eye feet coordination mm-hmm. comes before hand eye. So someone would be more likely to um, pick up soccer than, you know, basketball. Yeah. Because, I mean, anyone can play soccer, but to be a master at yeah. it, it takes, you know, mm-hmm. well, that's with any sport. But. Yeah. Did, was, did that contribute to the, the shoe thing growing up, you think? Yeah, Cause, definitely, because, like, with soccer, you know, you have the indoor shoes. Like, I would wear uh, Adidas Gazelles growing up and yeah. stuff like that, so – it, it kind of ties into the whole sneaker thing mm-hmm. with 
um, the indoor side of things with soccer. And then getting cleats, too, was kind of like getting shoes. Yeah. I wanted to have, like, um, cool cleats to play in, you know, that were comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because it, it seems like, too, there's been – it used to be, like, Nike, Reebok. But it seems like there's been an influx of kind of more kind of European style. You got, like, Pumas. I'm not sure. Is, like, Saucony is – Saucony, um, they're not really like prevalent in soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the top soccer brands are Adidas yeah. is like the number one soccer brand right now. And then you go Nike, um, Puma, and then um, A6, Reebok make cleats. Yeah. Umbro, they're yeah. still making stuff, which they're owned by they're owned by Nike, but they're getting ready to be sold. I think they might have already been sold. Yeah, I feel like Umbro was one of the first sort of like soccer-centric brands I remember growing up. <clears throat> yep. Like, like whenever I heard that, the only thing I associated with was soccer. Yeah. And then you got, like, other brands like Diodora, um, Joma, just some mm-hmm. smaller brands that, you know, a few few players, you know, will wear. But yeah. I always wore three brands. I wore Adidas, Puma, or Nike. Mm-hmm. Growing up, those are my favorite. But I actually get just got a pair of Asics cleats. I'm gonna try out. Really? Yeah, they're pretty sweet. Do you still play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just play like in men's league. Yeah. yeah. So nothing special. It's just like once a week. Yeah. Still type deal. Yeah. yeah. Still get to get my foot on the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So through you grew up watching. So you're watching people's shoes and stuff. Uh, you know, with, with soccer and everything, and you had an interest yourself. Went to went to Citadel, everything, and then from there, like what at the Citadel kind of? Did, when you were there, was it always shoes? Did you always want to go in that direction, or did you kind of bounce around and that sort of developed? Yeah. So um, at the Citadel, I, I wanted to go into shoes, but at the time, I was too afraid yeah. to do it. Because I kind of felt like I was a little bit too young mm-hmm. and didn't have the experience. Um, so after I got done with uh, the Citadel, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually sat down with a friend of mine in Miami, and he was just talking to me, like trying to, you know, brainstorm, of, you know, what I could do after I was done. Um, and I, I really didn't have a plan. And he was just like, you know, you probably should go to um, graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll give you some time to think of, you know, what you want to do, and then you can also get, you know, your master's degree yeah. while you're thinking. Uh, and two, also, my senior year in college, I'd also lost my brother um, mm-hmm. to a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of hadn't really thought that whole year of what yeah. I, like, what was going to do, yeah. what I was going to do after graduating. So I sat down with my friend in Miami, and he's like, you know, you really should probably just go to, you know, graduate school, um, and if that'll get you, uh, you know, another two years to kind of think, you know, what you want to do, and you can have a job while you work there, and so I was like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I'd already missed the deadlines for everything, but the Citadel's grad program, the deadline was, like, late July, mm-hmm. so I applied there, took the GMAT, um, and then got in, um, and that's when I got started working with um, Foot Locker. Mm-hmm. Was in grad school, and that really got the the um, 
ball rolling on, you know, really thinking hard about um, opening up a sneaker store. Mm -hmm. it, what, did, what did you do with Foot Locker in grad school? So Foot Locker in grad school, um, I started out, I actually just started out part-time mm -hmm. um, just to get my, like, feet wet with studies and everything like that. And then, um, so I started at Foot Locker fall of 2008, and then that summer, June of 2009, I took a assistant manager position there. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of got, I was in that assistant manager position for a year, it just kind of got stale, they weren't gonna move me up yeah. or anything, and I told them I was like ready to move up, um, but they weren't. And so I left mm -hmm. after I finished grad school. I left Foot Locker, kind of went home and um, was contemplating going out to LA for a little bit. Yeah to stay with my cousin and hang out and that never happened I actually ended up getting LASIK eye surgery um, how was that? just out of the blue Yeah, uh, it was good I, I hated wearing glasses mm -hmm. so it definitely a difference maker yeah. but uh, not going out to California actually probably led me to this point because if I would have gone out there probably still would have been out there mm -hmm wouldn't have opened this up but um so I found a job down here because I wanted to move back down here yeah when I was back in Tennessee because um, I was just kind of hanging out and lucky I hate that store but it was a job mm -hmm. and it got me back down here so the I started one right down yeah, on the street, street yeah <laughs> it was like two blocks down yeah, yeah. so I, I was a shift manager there and worked there for like three months and uh assistant man am position came available at finish line in northwood so i was like all right yeah i love shoes so i'm definitely taking that yeah so i switched and i was with finish line for three months and um i liked it uh, i actually saw myself maybe having a career there and then going off on my own and starting my own store mm. but this recruiter came from this company, Parkdale, and offered me pretty good money, and so I couldn't turn it down. So yeah. I left finish line and actually moved back to Tennessee. Um, did that for a year. The first two weeks, I knew I was like, "This is terrible. I'm not yeah. gonna like it, but I gotta stick it out." Mm -hmm. um, and so it was at that point, having that job that sucked that I was like, okay, it's time to open up the business. Yeah, well, what all did you do there? Um, I, was a, I was a shift manager there, so basically I was responsible for meeting daily production mm -hmm. goals. Um, Parkdale was uh, a cotton yarn mm -hmm. manufacturer, so it produced the material that goes into you know, making the shirts. Yeah. It's the thread mm -hmm. that makes the shirts. So I was responsible for making sure that um, my team at production goals. I mean, I had a staff of like forty people under mm -hmm. me. How, how old were you at this point? Twenty six. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty good responsibility. Uh, it was pretty a lot of responsibilities in the position and paid really well. Um, but I just didn't agree with a lot of the things upper management was yeah. doing, and so I had a falling out with my supervisor. And, put in my two weeks and 
it was at that point, and I didn't even, I, I got, I'll actually tell you, like, the story. So, I got in a fight with my supervisor. Like, full-on fist fight? No, or? not oh, fist okay. fight. Just a verbal fight. Yeah. And uh, as we're walking to go talk to the plant manager, mm. I'm like, I put in my two weeks. I didn't even think. It was just came to the top of my head. Uh, and so, finished out my two weeks there. And um, for, like, the first three weeks I was done, I was just kind of – you know, in that same spot, looking around for another job. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, my mom just kind of put into my mind, like, you need, you should open up your own sneaker shop. You've always been talking about it. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and do it. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to have Nike starting out. I was just trying to come up with all excuses. Yeah. And finally, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So spent like three weeks just writing everything down the direction I wanted to take the store mm-hmm. um, and then came up with a plan and then showed it to my parents and they backed it and wanted to support me because mm-hmm. they thought it was a pretty legit plan. Yeah. And so that's basically from going through the Citadel and then all the experiences I had in the job world mm-hmm. to now kind of, you know, led me to this point. Yeah. And what, like, what was that plan? Like, what all did you write down? Was it, like, Um, how specific was it? It was pretty specific. I wrote, you know, the mission statement, what the store was going to be all about, and that was, you know, to supply Charleston with, um, you know, exclusive kicks, apparel, uh, accessories while offering, um, you know, eclectic experience Mm. and, you know, good customer service. So that was, like, that was the starting point, and then from there I just – wrote like how I wanted the store to be um and I could have gone in either direction I could have made it you know kind of like a footlocker where I offer a wide array of products like performance Mm -hmm. but I knew to be competitive in the market I had to go um you know the exclusive route because you know Charleston didn't have it and that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of the sneakerheads here want so I pinpointed that I wanted to go that route um, and so put that down and then kind of targeted, okay, what customer am I going to go for? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to target a wide range of customers because with sneakers, it's very, you can, you can welcome anyone into the sneaker realm. Yeah. You can get, say my parents that are 60, they wear a lot of the sneakers that are in here mm-hmm. and they've always worn, my mom would get Jordans when I worked really? at Foot Locker. So you really can't shut off any age bracket when you're talking, like, sneakers because we had an 85-year-old lady walk back here and buy a pair of Saucony's. Wow. So. Well, actually, my dad was in here maybe, like, a few months ago, and he saw, it was, like, these, they were all, like, kind of, like, a mix between, like, boots but also kind of, like, casual sort of deal, and he's, like, Man, I want to. Like, <laughs> I want to get those. Like every time, because they they live up in a like Sarmville Goose Creek area. Yeah. Every time I go up there, and uh, every time I'm like, hey, you should like you know head on down to like Second Sunday or something. And he's like, it's like, is, it, is is sneaker open on Sundays? It's like, because I want to see if they still have that and stuff. Like every time I'm there, he always mentions it. So it's it's funny that my because you know we just like popped in here. Yeah. One, yeah. one day, Second Sunday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because you. Cause you You'd be surprised because I, I I brought them in just because 
it's a cool place, you know, regardless of whether you like stuff or not, what you're talking about, like the experience, it's just a cool place to experience. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that he found something he liked, you know, was a bonus. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what, that's what I did is kind of hit the age group as, you know, 13 all the way up to realistically I did like 13 to like 60 Mm -hmm. and I basically put in the products okay so 13 to like 13 to 35 is going to be I don't have Nike and Jordan or Nike or Jordan but I was um, thinking I would have it Mm -hmm. before I opened so I was like all right they're going to be like the Nike Jordan and then Nike they're going to do foam posits air maxes you know all the so I basically just categorized and put pictures of, you know, what these customers were going to go after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, um, went into, you know, the financial aspect of it. Like what, how much money was I going to need up front to create this whole experience? Yeah. Um, and then crunch numbers on what I needed to do month to month and what I needed to do for the entire year to you know make to make it the first year or break even mm-hmm. the first year um and then from you know doing the numbers uh, and you know finding the customer and you know knowing what market you're going to target you kind of get a, you kind of get a good grasp on it and then you start going into calling vendors yeah it that did. kind of stuff and you don't even have to write it down you can do this all in your head but mm-hmm. It helps to write it down because when you get discouraged, you just go back and you look at what you wrote mm-hmm. down, and it kind of gets you back on target. Yeah, and keeps you going in the direction that you want to go to because there's so many things in this like industry that mm-hmm. can get you like off track. Yeah, like for me, I have to keep on like this is a sneaker store because mm-hmm. I would love to bring in a lot of apparel, but. Yeah end of the day I have to focus like this is a sneaker store mm-hmm. that's like the first priority yeah um so yeah that was basically it um sat down just went over all those things and that kind of gave me an idea um of where I was going to take this mm-hmm. and after I contacted all the vendors and everything I came down because they wanted me to have a place before they signed on yeah came down looked for spots I looked for a week, couldn't find anything. Like on the last day, I looked at a place in uh, North Charleston. I was actually about to leave, but something clicked in my head, and I was like, "Yeah, before we leave, do you have do you know of anything downtown? Like I've looked, but I haven't been able to find anything." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, there's. Do you know where the Lululemon is?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and he was like, "It's on the third floor across from Louis Vuitton." So he, we draw, and I was like, "All right, well, I want to look at it." Mm-hmm. So the realtor takes me down here, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's a pretty cool space, and there's like a conference room and everything." So I was like, "All right, cool." Um, so we went up to the third floor and checked it out. I was like, "All right, yeah, this might work." But then I was like, third floor, that's like a disaster. Yeah. These people are not gonna go up there, and they're not gonna be able to find it." Um, it's different for like a Lululemon, which their name's already out there, mm-hmm. but. And I'd asked him before we went up there, I was like, what's back here? And he's like, oh, it's a carriage house. It's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. Well. So 
I'd like contemplating. I'd actually contemplated the lease up there because um, I was looking for something that was unique and different. So yeah. I was just kind of trying to brainstorm and figure out like what would that work? Would that be cool? And would that get people up there? But mm-hmm. the next day I came back, talked to the realtor, and I was like, nah, it's not going to work. I want to check out that carriage house back there. And so he opened the gate, and I immediately saw this courtyard, and um, which the courtyard did not look like this. It looked <laughs> like crap mm-hmm. when I first saw it. But saw it, and I was like, yeah, this is it. I was like, we're signing the lease on this. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, signed the lease on it and then showed all my vendors and they were kind of like when I told my vendors I'm putting a store in a house yeah a lot of them were like okay yeah um but I explained my vision to them and they were like okay okay this is gonna be all right this is probably gonna be Mm -hmm. something so um I got some big accounts to hop on already like um, BBC and ice cream mm-hmm. those accounts usually don't hop on unless you've been open for like a year yeah but I was able to get some big accounts and then everything fell into place ran into some problems with the city but mm-hmm. went around those and <clears throat> November came around and opened up man and since then it's been going good yeah it's a constant I'm trying to always constantly progress the store Mm-hmm. into you know new directions and reaching new heights so it's, it's constant work now on improving the store from month to month yeah yeah it, so is nike kind of like your white whale is that the one that because yeah. like, it seems like from the beginning you <coughs> wanted to get nike yep nike is like the last brand like they're the they're the one brand mm-hmm. like i can't get <laughs> Because they're, they're super exclusive with their stuff, right? Yeah. They pretty um, much lock it down. And they're kind of, they have that mentality, we're the best, we don't need you. Yeah. Like, yeah pro- you have to prove yourself. Yeah, prove yourself. Like, why why do you need us in yeah. your store? Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why I created something like this, is because I knew that they couldn't say no to a store like this. Yeah. So I'm just waiting patiently for them to come and you know, sign me up for a contract. Yeah. yeah. So, but once that happens, I mean, it's, it's going to blow up through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they, it's not just like, do they actually produce styles of shoes specifically for, because like, I know but Jordans, I know like Air Force One stuff, but do they make like other actual just pretty much like almost designer sneakers. Well, like with Jordan, we'd basically be getting the same stuff that they have in the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, certain like quick strike releases, yeah. we'll we will get over the mall here, um, but we'll pretty much be having the same Jordan product and stuff. But mm-hmm. with Nike, we'll be getting a lot of stuff that they tend to put in boutiques over like stores in the mall. But that's drastically changing. Um, they're pretty much putting a lot of their premium stuff now in like certain foot lockers and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's changing. But at the end of the day, if you create a good um, experience mm-hmm. and you have good customer service, people are going to come over here and buy a product that might be in the mall, but they're going to come here because they like it better than yeah. the mall. Yeah. Well, and it's like a mechanic shop or something, you know? You trust yeah. them. Yep. You know. But yeah, they, they do put stuff that you can't get in the mall 
but it's over the years it's kind of dwindling on that because mm-hmm. you know Foot Locker they have a big foot on everything yeah. so it's yeah. slowly changing. Yeah, well, and how long have you been open? Uh, going on eleven months. So not quite a year. Not quite, yeah. Wow. Almost. Do anything for the one year anniversary? Yeah, I'm gonna have. I, I want to do like an all day thing. Just have various DJs coming through and spinning all day, mm-hmm. and have some like local food vendors like yeah. set up back here. But well, when's the uh, the one year? What's the date? November second. November second. So, yeah, it's a Saturday. Hmm. Hmm. So it's gonna be fun, man. Um, and I'm yeah. gonna have some live music too. Yeah. I'll probably do from like six to eight. Probably do like an open bar too. Mm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 Charleston yeah. loves open bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah, it, I feel like the shoe thing. That's something that people are like. You kind of once it's there, you realize, oh yeah, I do want like that. I do want like you know a boutique sneaker shop and everything. But like free food and booze is, yeah. is, is that's that's a constant. That's oh yeah, and that gets people here, and then they tell people. Mm. So it's it's marketing. It's the best marketing you can do. Yeah, because you can have fun with it, and you know it's reaching people. Mm. Whereas I've gone away with um, like city paper here and stuff like that because you're not necessarily sure who's reading it. Yeah, and if it's attracting your customer base. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems, too, that, like, uh, so much, it seems like so much in Charleston is word of mouth. It is. And, like, and because, I mean, like, even the store, you can, you can show people, like, the outside, you can hang a sign, you can put footsteps and stuff, but nothing's better than someone being like, but yeah, it's like, right by the Starbucks, Look for the, the footprints. Go in and just you know just like just do it. You just go in there, and uh, and that's that that's like always the thing that pushes me over the edge. And someone's like, yeah, just just trust me. Just go check it out. Yeah, you know? that's that's the best form of marketing. It's when you get someone you know telling people, hey, check it out. Yeah. So and then also, um, social media is just killer right mm-hmm. now. For any business. Yeah, well, and you all just launched your website not too long ago, right? Yep, yep. That, that's done amazing. Yeah. We get a lot of views each week, which, you know, helps increase sales or yeah. getting a sale, so. Yeah, well, what I think is cool, too, is the website really reflects the, the, the store. Yeah, you know? it does. It's, it's like a nice kind of, like, companion piece. And I tried to make it to where, you know, you go on a lot of websites and you see just the same stock photos, mm-hmm. but I tried to make it where we're taking different, pic- like, di- we're taking pictures of the shoes in different settings. Yeah. So not one picture is the same as the other. Yeah. So it gives, it gives, like, the person looking at it just a sense of this whole, like, location, because mm-hmm. we'll take a picture of a shoe, like, out here in the courtyard or inside the store, like, just in a variety of places. We're out in the street in Charleston, so they get an idea of, you know, what the urban setting is here or what the shop setting is. Yeah, just by a picture. Yeah, I think what's really cool too is that it. I mean, my my whole thing is I feel like Charleston's kind of trending a bit younger, as far as like the businesses opening up and the people who are, you know, living here and spending their money and stuff, 
And so uh, it's, it's a nice balance of, I feel like, store and just kind of philosophically, if you could say that, the, the store like knows where it is and, you know, and, and it fits in there. You know, right. it's, it's not like someone, you know, raised up, uh, you know, whatever the hell. Like, I remember, like, whenever, um, like, with Abercrombie and Fitch and stuff, I was always like, it just, really? That's what you're doing? That's, because it, it just, some stores just kind of stand out. Yeah. They're just like, it's, you're just trying to, like, shoehorn it in there, you know? But I feel like it's, the whole thing is really subtle, which is, I think, the way things work best on the peninsula. You know, just kind of put it there, make it good, let it happen. Right, you know? right. Oh, I think now, like, a lot of times, like, people use way, like, companies are using way too much, like, marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just hit with, bam, all these signs, like, you don't need that. Yeah. Like, you know, just... Create something simple and good and offer good service and you're going to get people to come. Yeah. You don't need all these signs like flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need that. Yeah. And you said November 2nd? Yeah, November 2nd. Yeah. Cool, man. I look forward to it. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, no problem. Or, good talk down, with you, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, Love, I'm in the house. Roman strong, see what the honeys is about.